we're losing market share and facing off as losing money. Our only hope is our new podcast, which is stagnating because of its soon-to-be obsolete co-host. I can't put it any more simply than this. We need to put our resources into updating our new podcast. By taking resources from facing off. It's failing. That's a fact. The industry's oversaturated. There's no evidence. I'm the evidence. I'm the world's leading expert on podcasts, Nick. What is your resume? You're issuing contradictory instructions. You're insubordinate. You make people miserable. Our top guests are fleeing to the rewatchables and lights, camera, barstool. Spotify doesn't know who's driving the bus. We've lost hundreds of millions in value. And I'm host of Facing Off, Gabe. That's my resume. But before that, you were a school psychologist, right? I sat in a fucking garage watching films and invented the future because artists lead and hacks ask for a show of hands. All right. Well, this guy's out of control. I'm perfectly willing to hand in my resignation tonight, but if you want me to stay, you can't have Gabe. I'm dead serious. I'd like the secretary to call for a vote. I fucking dare you. <laughs> I'm a gentleman, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. You can't handle the truth. King Kong ain't got My day. Best day, big boy, huh? That's bright. Fuck you. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. This is Facing Off, a podcast where we take two <laughs> biopics that we find to be similar and we compare, contrast, and rate them. I'm your arrogant genius host, Gabe, and this is my flamboyant rock star co host, Nick. Flamboyant. Yeah. That's the word you picked. For? It's just like okay. Freddie M, dude. Okay. I uh, like your uh, I like your black turtleneck tonight. Thanks. I, I'm not actually wearing one. I wish I had one it's of tucked those. Tucked into your beltless jeans. Yo, Nick, we got another <laughs> guest on uh, this episode. It's my uh, roommate and friend, uh, Alec Goldberg. What's up, man? Oh, <laughs> roommate and friend. Yeah, I should have led with friend. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what's up, man? I'm happy to have you on. Happy to be here. Yeah, so, uh... hearing you guys screaming through the walls for a while. Yeah. It's nice to get on here. Yeah, he does live on the <laughs> other side of the wall when we do this. Um, so, Alec is a huge movie fan. Um, it's part of the reason why we became roommates. Um, and he is... And friends. Yeah. And, and friends. friends. That's, that's why as well. But, uh, yeah, he, uh... He's kind of working in the industry. You could tell the audience a little bit about what you do um, and uh, why you're interested in talking about movies. So I run a production company with three other people called Decade Los Angeles. We do commercial content, music videos, short films, and documentaries. While I'm talking about it, might as well plug it. Guys, go check it out at uh, Decade Los Angeles on Instagram or DecadeLosAngeles.com. Let the work speak for itself. I was an employee of Decade for one day. It <laughs> one was pretty day. cool. Yeah, well, I watched Alec They signed you, they uh, sign you to, a, uh, to a 10-hour contract? <laughs> no, but I did have to uh, sign a non-disclosure agreement. So Ooh, I, uh, yeah, uh, worked on a little short. Got to see Alec do his work as a director. He's clearly got a great eye for it, and uh, <laughs> this will be fun. And this is the one of the movies that we're going to talk about today is something that Alec and I have talked at length and and shouted about but uh, I'm excited so I'm fun. excited to hear two impassioned uh, uh, individuals talk about our two movies today fuck yeah what are they Gabe what uh, are wait movies? wait do you have uh, do you have any shout outs before we get into this um 
let's see. Today, do I have shout outs? Uh, no, I haven't had shout outs in weeks. Yeah. I don't uh, like Alec, any. I don't any like. Shout-outs. I don't like anybody. Cool. Well, uh, <laughs> I want to give a shout out. I should have done this earlier to my friend Layla Connie. Um, she's uh, one of our listeners to like every single episode, and she's one of my friends that I talk to the most about movies. And me and her have been ranting about Bohemian Rhapsody for um, over a year now. Nice. Um, and I don't think we're ever going to stop because of you some should. things we're going to talk about. You should. I also want to give a shout out to my uncle Lee who uh, oh. wrote a pretty funny comment on our uh, Limitless versus Lucy podcast episode. He uh, he didn't enjoy it. He felt that we didn't give any reasons to anything we did. And so, Lee, I hope we give you some reasons for our uh, criticism today. I agree. We are too critical. It's... Uh, it's weird. Yeah, but it, it, it's part of our podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I feel you guys rate everything too high. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> and yeah, th- I mean that's the most ridiculous part of it. Uh, last shout out. Um, yeah, I, we uh, were contacted <clears throat> to do a cross promotion again with a podcast called the Nostaljunk Podcast. It's uh, a new. Uh, that's a cool pun, actually. Nostaljunk. Um, <laughs> Uh, now that you say uh, it out loud, you realize <laughs> their new uh, podcast. Uh, you could hear a little snippet from them at the end. They're gonna, I'm going to run a promotion. They're really cool. They do uh, retro reviews, and they uh, started with their top five favorite movies. So go and check that out when you get a chance. Nice. Uh, last, uh, my mom <laughs> sent an email. Uh, Nick, this is in response to you after the Limitless episode. Uh, as per your request, this is my recollection of Limitless on TV. First, the Bradley Cooper character definitely was on the drug at the end of the movie if the plot of the TV show is an indicator. He has a significant role and turns a bit evil. Great display of a narcissist. I like the TV show better than the movie for many of the reasons you critique the movie. I like sci-fi very much, just like Nick. Nerds. Uh, but it, ha- uh, it has to make sense because the first word is science. Thank you, Mom. Uh, nice. The actor in the main role doesn't get so pumped up and ridiculous as did Brad. Uh, Bradley, uh, he keeps some innocence. It also <laughs> wasn't quite as frenetic. It was just starting to get more good uh, with character development when CBS decided to not renew it. Uh, I was curious about the direction it was going and frustrated that they didn't stick with it or that Netflix didn't pick it up. Um, and then she like talked about some other stuff. Dang, that makes me bummed that they didn't pick it up. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like it's kind of good. Thank you, Mom. Uh, appreciate it. All right. We are going to spoil the two movies we're talking about today. We're talking about Steve Jobs and Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. If you haven't seen it and you don't know what happened to Freddie Mercury or Steve Jobs, <laughs> then I don't know. Go Google it. But yeah. uh, I do recommend that you see Steve Jobs. I don't think a lot of people have seen it. It's on Netflix right now. Yeah. It's in the popular category on Netflix. Um, it should be. It's, it's good. Great. Yeah. I liked it. Uh, yeah, so here's some synopses. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is a story of Freddie Mercury and uh, the rise of the band Queen. Just Google them. Um, <laughs> but also, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is riddled with historical inaccuracies. So um, maybe write your own script after you Google it without the historical inaccuracies. Uh, Steve Jobs is a story of Steve Jobs. Uh, type Steve Jobs into your Safari <laughs> um, uh, like search bar and press enter and you'll get some information about him. Uh, but Steve Jobs is uh, the movie is told uh, in kind of a unique lens. Uh, there are three uh, product launches in the movie and that's how uh, it's framed. The launch of the Macintosh, the launch of Steve Jobs' solo project Next, and the launch of the iMac. Um so it's kind of cool. Cool little framework there. 
but they're uh, biopics about people who existed in real life. So Google them. Yeah. Um, uh, Screen Rant does a little thing called pitch meetings of movies. That's basically a way, like kind of like honest trailers to mm-hmm. tr- like break down all the problems Highly with recommended. the movie. But they said for this one, basically their synopsis is, uh, this is a recreation of Queen performances with lies sprinkled in between. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty accurate. Uh, yeah, yeah. Alec, why are you excited to talk about these two? Because we kind of talked about what we were going to do for the episode that you'd be on. Because I hate Bohemian Rhapsody with a passion. We've talked about it a lot. <laughs> and I, this is one of my least favorite movies of all time. I think a large portion, a large part of that is because... It's gotten so much praise and was nominated for so many awards. And Steve Jobs, I just, I love that movie. Uh, I read the book and was a big fan of the book. And like seeing it put into a unique structure like that was amazing. And it's executed really well. And it's, I find like watching Steve Jobs, I felt that Steve Jobs was the Freddie Mercury of tech. And it was. Yeah. While these may seem like they're not um, comparable movies, like the the rock star at the center of it and how they handle that is it's nice to see the contrast between those two. Yeah, well nice. said. I also thought um, a good w- reason to compare these two movies is we were originally thinking about doing Walk the Line versus Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. But unfortunately, both of those movies are too by the numbers. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, right before a big performance, let's go back in time and show you everything that happened. Right. And it's made fun of perfectly in the movie Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Um, so we thought... Uh, after Alec and I had talked, we thought about doing Steve Jobs because instead of taking the normal traditional approach to a biopic, it it breaks it up into three little segments and it's very unconventional. So I right. think that'll be cool. All right. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, right. Our rating scale is one to seven. Yep. One being lowest, seven being highest, uh, four being average or neutral or in between. We got five categories for you guys. We're going to do actoring spectacularity, uh, eye candy, originality, and legacy, our typical category. So yeah. let's kick it off Q, with actoring. Cue Fat Bottom Girls by Queen here. <laughs> and yeah. just play that the whole time that we talk about it. Yeah. Boom. And then all other just Queen Just montage songs. it, yep. insert some of our uh, talking, and then the, the movie will be over in two and a half hours. True. <laughs> well, then let's talk about actoring, and we'll start with Bohemian Rhapsody. Alec, take it away. Um. Well, actor, actoring, by the way, is just uh, kind of a category where we break down the performances. So it's uh, about how good the acting was and whether the director and writers and whoever gave the actors the tools they needed to perform at the best of their abilities. Right. I love that you you always put it on the guest to start. <laughs> yeah. He's just so excited to talk about but it that you, I really want to But then you were it. nice and you gave him like like 25 and now i'm buying more time so we're yeah. getting into more seconds of just time where, where so he alec should can, be ready alec Al- should i just <laughs> say my score and then get into why yeah you yes. do it however you want do it however you want i like to go score first also, to be fair the actoring i've kind of split it between yeah. actoring directing and writing yeah that's okay. good good we Perfect. love that um so i gave this a two um I would say to begin with the acting for the most part they do the best for what they're given. I would agree. But they are given so little that their performances are 
damaged as a result. Yeah. Um, I am such a big Rami Malek fan. You know that. Yeah. Mr. Robot is... We're all fans maybe, of Mr. Robot. Yeah. It's probably my favorite show of all time. Nice. And... I've seen him be pretty good in other things, but for the most part, like, it's hard for me to see him in roles outside of that. Right. Um, not to get into, you like, didn't like the him in spe- Need for Speed? <laughs> <laughs> He's not in Need to for get Speed? into, like, the spectacularity, <laughs> but I honestly, even watching Mr. Robot, like, there's something about his jaw and, like, the way he just, like, moves his mouth that, like, you're already focused on. Then they put these teeth in his mouth and, like... It's really hard to get past. Oh, the prosthetic like, teeth. It looks like he's sucking it, in his teeth the whole time, yeah. like a mouth guard. It's. I'm it's doing it. Really it. You can't. No one can see it, but I'm doing it. He, it does. You he's look like, like Rami Malek, so it works. They, it's interesting because both of these movies, I feel like, have dialogue where it's like, it feel, if you were to read it, it feels super corny, but like with Steve Jobs, it works. And like maybe if I heard the actual Freddie Mercury talk about it, it would work. But for whatever reason, the fact that there's no like nuanced dialogue in between, every line coming out of Rami Malek's mouth is like some quote or something that's just so over the top. And they don't really develop that character to a sense where I can mm. see the humanity in him. It's more just, well, I'm sure we're going to talk about this a lot through the episode, is like it's the Wikipedia bullet points. And yeah, like right. they make up the character through the bullet points instead of the humanity in between the bullet points. Um, same with everyone else in the band. Like, I don't feel like there was bad acting by anyone. I just felt like no, yeah. all like of them did though. what yeah. they were like. They did the best with what they were given. And like, all of them had very corny bullet point lines. Yeah. Um, and like, all of their interjections seemed to be just like an explanation of where the band was at that time right. instead of like who these people are as human beings. Right. Um, yeah. I, I'm just thinking of the bassist and when they write, I hope that that's how they actually wrote another one bites the dust. Oh yeah. <laughs> but they were all just arguing and then they were like, what is that baseline? That was like every song they came up with. What was that that you did? That yeah. was cool. I mean, okay, so... What did you give it, Nick? I agree that we'll go back to you. that the acting is uh, the best that they could do with what they are given. So I know you, you guys, and I overrate all of these things that we do, for sure. I'm trying to view them from like this silver lining of like, I know, why did people... <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. <laughs> why did people... I saw your score. <laughs> I'm going to minimize it because now I feel uh, ashamed of myself. No, uh, go ahead. Like I, so I tried when I rewatched this, which I very much did not want to do. I was like trying to view it from like, what did people like about this? Like, why do people like this? I got called out one time on a, on a uh, car ride to a baseball game. Yeah, shout out Emily Rath. But, and was like, well, why? And I was like, cause I don't like it. I don't know. And I didn't have, I'm, I, I haven't studied film. I just like watching movies. I very much have studied acting, and I love right. the the craft of acting. And I think that everyone was given the opportunity to be an actor in the movie, but they weren't given the opportunity to be an amazing actor right. outside of maybe Freddie Mercury. I initially rated it a six because I wanted to be like <laughs> someone out there obviously really liked something about this. And I know that that was... 
they had reasons for it, but I don't know what those reasons are. Right. So I'm not going to give it a six. I'm going to give it like a four because yeah, I fun. think that, that like with this category, I'm always like, which one of like the acting is they're doing the best that they can. I think, I think, and I think, or I mean, Rami Malek won. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about that so bad. (laughs) I'm going based off the description of the category. Yeah. So like, I am because like the the performance is part of that. So fucking terrible, and that's like a major part of like how I'm rating this. Right. The writing. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Because like within the categories, this seems like the best place to like critique the writing. Like the acting. If we're gonna totally just separate the acting, like that, I wouldn't give a two out of seven. But for the actoring category. Yeah, absolutely. It's a two out of seven. Yeah. I never yeah, know what to so, think about directing with this category. Maybe well, this no, is you a could decent t- I mean, time directing to talk is about huge this. about that because I like that's why we developed this category to be about uh, whether the writers and director, um, you know, gave them the tools because you can watch a movie with really good actors. Like Alex said, Rami Malek is a fantastic actor in the show Mr. Robot and in a few other things. He was good in Buster's Malhart, um, but he is not that great in this. And part of that is that the way that the characters interact with each other based on Brian Singer's direction and the, the writing and the way the relationships develop at, in, uh, together is just not natural or realistic. It's like fantastical. Um, it's the first time I watched this, like I'll give a good example. First time I watched this, the scene where they're all around the table on uh, Freddie Mercury's birthday. <laughs> yeah. And they're all talking over each other and the camera's cutting a ton. Um, everyone is acting ridiculous, not like natural. They even make the parent, like the dad, like this like typical fatherly, like menace character, even though he's kind of subdued. Oh, but he um, has feelings. He has feelings because he looks at the pictures. Like yeah. Then they look, and then it's, <laughs> and then in the middle of that scene, Freddie Mercury just goes up to the piano and he's like, happy birthday. And like, he's singing and everyone's like, Freddie. And he's like, that's right. I'm changing my name. Even my last name. It's going to be Mercury. And they're like, it's the way that they interact is not how humans a- interact. No. And a lot of that while, while is the actor. That, I have, I have to enter. This is going to be in a later portion, but like that scene in particular. Yeah. There's like three problems I have. One is he's doing the <laughs> happy birthday like, yeah. to myself. And this, this scene is like the perfect example of just like cramming in Wikipedia bullet points because like not only do they show they show his uh like his actual ethnicity which no one really understood before right, and from right. the band but then they show him pretty much telling his family he's changing his name and the second he's done playing the piano they also get a call saying mr reed would like to be our manager and right. it's just like they're cramming all of these things in it's like literally all of the dialogue is centered around these bullet points right. of his life instead of the humanity don't they also I throw mean, in that he was a boxer when he was really <laughs> oh young yeah, too? yeah. yeah. They're like, <laughs> which they call back to later in the movie when he's like i wonder how good at boxing you are to him and he's like puts his <laughs> well there's yeah. another unbelievable scene like in the beginning Ugh. he goes and sees the band smile where most of the members are were from before Ugh. queen and he's walking past them and he just starts talking to them and then the, uh, he's like don't you guys need a singer or something and then he just <laughs> right starts after. singing to <laughs> yeah. them and they're like whoa you want to be in our band 
First, they, they, the way that they interact is not how humans interact. And also, that didn't happen. They were roommates before. He didn't just walk up to random people. So it's an unbelievable scene with unbelievable performances. And my biggest problem with this movie is he's good, but he's not great. I can't believe he was even nominated for his role. I, I mean, I'm, I, I guess it's okay he was nominated because he shows emotion. But for the most part, he lip syncs. The whole time, yeah. he puts on a ridiculous accent and puts on it puts in prosthetic teeth, and that's how he won Best Actor over Bradley Cooper, who literally turned into a singer and changed his voice, and then Christian Bale, who gained sixty pounds and became Dick Cheney. He talked exactly how Dick Cheney so, talks. I feel like the acting, Rami Malek being nominated and winning for acting is the same concept as the editing for me where it's like yeah he had to do so much with what he was given and like i don't think rami malik could have done any better of a job acting as freddie mercury maybe they didn't have those teeth in. i don't yeah but <laughs> yeah like, fair but i don't, I don't think, think it's he like... should have been a i think the writing was terrible but b he shouldn't have been acting i don't want to go off on a tangent but like sasha Baron cohen was originally supposed be, yeah. was supposed to be freddie mercury and would have been so much better at mm. this and like also wanted to be involved with a lot of the writing and just would have made this whole thing a lot better. Yeah, I mean, one last thing I want to say is like, there's like you said that most of the cast uh, was pretty good, and I agree. There's one glaring problem. There's the Mike Myers character completely takes me out of the movie, and we'll get to that in spectacularity, yeah, I guess. But like, he isn't a real character. They just put him in there. They put Mike Myers in there, which is very distracting. And they put him in there because in Wayne's world, he famously sings or lip syncs uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. And he they even give him a line in this movie where he goes, we want teenagers to bang their heads to this kind of music. They wouldn't do it to this. And I was like, what the fuck is Mike Myers doing in this movie? That's so dumb. And the performance is ridiculous. And it's a fake person. Yeah. So it's also a real shame we don't learn about any other members of Queen from this movie besides really. this. And Brian it's in May their perspective. Like, besides, that's yeah. the craziest fucking part is that this whole thing is like their perspective, and they clearly like don't tell the full Freddie Mercury story. Right. And like the the band was way too involved as producers in this because the whole movie to me feels like. They're coming like in glam. and being like the parents, like, no, Freddie, you've got to stop. Like, you've got to, we've got to sleep and like wake up early tomorrow. And they just like portray. It felt like they were portraying this whole story to like their grandchildren. Totally, that's that's the <laughs> yeah. best way to put it. Yeah. So I gave it a two out of seven. Uh, Nick gave it a nice. four out of seven, and Alec gave it a uh, two out of seven. Let's uh, talk about Steve Jobs in terms of actoring. Nick, why don't you start with that? Oh, dude, a hundred percent. I gave it a seven. Oh, cool. Michael Fassbender, dude, Michael Fassbender is incredible in this movie. Yeah, him and Kate Winslet were both nominated for it. Yeah, they, it, it was, uh, there wasn't anyone in this movie that I picked out as being like an issue for me. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised because this was kind of like a last minute, not last minute, but this was like a sudden-ish change that we had to yeah, like our plan for this episode. And I, I was absolutely pleasantly surprised by this movie. Yeah. I was very pleasantly surprised by a lot of movies over one weekend that I watched stuff because I watched Parasite like oh it's so good like, two days uh, yeah, before we, this. he has an idea for an episode and of I was just like mouth agape the whole time I like, told for, like you. thirty minutes after that but anyways uh, Michael Fassbender is incredible Kate Winslet was incredible um, J- Jeff Daniels is great in this movie 
Uh, the child actors that that play Lisa yeah, are I put fantastic, a note about that. like yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I gave it a six out of seven. Um, I was pretty close to giving it a seven because of Fossbender's performance. I think this is the peak of his career. Um, and actually, if you look at his IMDb since this movie, he has not been in a single critically acclaimed movie. It's all been really bad downhill. Like he has one of the more yeah. bizarre careers. He does. Um, but he was in, he was incredible, and I think. Um, had it not been the year that Leo was in the Revenant and the Academy is like, we have to give him an award. He's putting himself in carcasses. He's going to kill himself. Um, <laughs> if had it not been that year, I think Fossbender could have won. Um, I think it's so nuanced and, uh, it's really difficult to play someone so unbearable, um, but also so enticing on three of his most anxiety induced days of his life. Yeah. Um, God. I also yeah, agree. Really I think good. Kate Winslet was fantastic. It's unlike her early roles. Uh, Jeff Daniels, Catherine Waterston, Michael Stuhlbarg. If you don't know who Michael Stuhlbarg is by now, mm. like, don't talk to me. That guy is an incredible yeah. character actor. Um, my only ki- kind of issue is, like, some... I, I really like the writing that Sorkin does, and I think that Seth Rogen does it kind of well, but he's too much of just Seth Rogen to me. And mm-hmm. I, like... Steve Wozniak is someone from my area and like I've studied him and like watched other things on him and I just didn't really feel that he was Steve Wozniak even though he gets really good dialogue scenes like the, yeah. the scene between um, the two of his fights the the two fights that he has with Steve Jobs especially the one where um, he's like what exactly do you do and he's like I play the orchestra is a great scene by Seth Rogen but it, it's kind of distracting that it's him and that his voice can't change at all. Um, but, yeah. um, it was good. I, I don't think it's the best, but yeah, go ahead out. You just took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Like <laughs> Michael Fossbender, amazing. Couldn't be any better. No. Um, Kate Winslet, amazing. Couldn't be any better. Jeff Daniels, like so good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so It's funny good. that he was a dumb and dumber. His and argument with Steve Jobs when they're in the, that like long hallway is like, yeah, you know, what we did like, at the beginning. That might be the best Blind acting of the whole movie is like I Jeff agree. Daniels in that scene. But I felt the same way about Seth Rogen. Like, could you not put in a little work to like change your voice a bit? Like, that's not what Wozniak sounded like at all. And like, I guess it's not super important that you sound exactly like the person, but I, Seth Rogen's just such a distinct voice. I, it was hard for me to like get past it. And it was like, it didn't seem like he was totally necessary yeah. for that role. And you could have cast somebody else. Um, but again, taking writing into account, this is, this may be one of the best written movies I've seen. Aaron in a long Sorkin time. is just like an incredible yeah. They deliver so many lines that like if, if you're reading a script you would think this is corny, but only Steve Jobs could get away with saying some of these things. And Michael Fossbender delivers it perfectly. That's I put and that it's in just my like notes. He's, yeah. It's just and it's done like he's just breathing. <laughs> right. Like he just says these lines <laughs> and it was like what what did he just what? It's that was so incredible. rapid and it's, it's like, like rapid fire and it's like he's it's literally like it's second nature to him to totally just, agree. it's so good. We can move on from this because we spent a while on uh, actoring, but uh, that's a six from uh, Alec. Did you give it a six? I gave it a six, yeah. and I gave it a six because the Seth Rogen thing. But also, I didn't feel like anyone was turned to the extreme. Like no one had to give crazy intense performances at any point. Yeah. So I gave it a six, but I don't think like the main people that I just mentioned they all 
did their best with the script. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, so that's a six from Alec and I, uh, and then uh, uh, seven from Nick. Uh, let's move on to our next category, spectacularity. Uh, spectacularity is just about the engagement level of the movie, whether you were really engaged or you were distracted or you were worried about runtime or uh, bored um, during it. So let's start with Steve Jobs since we're on it. Nick, why don't you go? Or, no, why don't or do you, want you me to go? go? You All go right. this time. <laughs> so I gave uh, Steve Jobs a five out of seven um, for spectacularity. I think it really helps to have like a powerful visionary character in the uh, at the forefront to keep the stakes and the interest high, um, and obviously that's led by a really powerful performance by Michael Fassbender. It also helps that it's a movie about relationships between a complicated, arrogant man and uh, the people that are trying to get through to him, and yeah. I love that. Like that's like that is like a perfect type of movie for me. Um, I also think that we talked about Aaron Sorkin's script. I think. The rapidness of it um, is it, it keeps you really engaged the right. whole way through, um, and I, I love Sorkinisms. You can look that up online; it, it's pretty funny. Um, they took something that would be like a mundane and turned it into this big like tech reveal. They even kind of made it a little ridiculous with the crowd, but that's kind of how they reacted to those things. Um, I think it's just not the most engaging movie. It's still kind of a biopic drama. Um, and and it's certainly aided by all those elements, but it's still like just a little bit above average, um, for me. I'm not a big biopic fan. Yeah. I gave it a five too. I just think that, um, like the way that it's structured is genuinely unique and interesting. Um, and if you know that it's going to be three reveals when you first watch it, like I did, you're like, what are the reveals going to be the whole time? You kind of, it makes sense once you watch the whole thing why it's done that way and it's very unique but at the same time um at the end of it i think for uh for some people watching it you would end up being like wait that was the end of the movie and it's kind of like um it's like a weird it's a little bit weird how they do it i like it i don't think i love it so i also gave it a five uh, so that's kind of where I stand on like how engaged I was in the movie. At the same time, the performances in the movie are so compelling that I never really wanted to turn away. Like oh. Fassbender's performance is one of the more compelling performances that I've seen recently from from a um, from a lead actor like that. I really really enjoyed watching him be a dick. Well said, Alec. Uh, that's so true. Uh, I could. I was falling in between a five and a six. If you put a gun in my head, I'll give it a six because for when you consider how. Hold on. Let me get my gun. <laughs> when you consider how trivial, like what is actually going on, is, and that it's literally just the hours leading up to these product releases they somehow make it as dramatic and as interesting as possible. But, I mean, I view this category as just engagement. Yeah. Is that sound accurate? Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And the opening of the movie throws you right into it. They have this soundtrack that's that's like like making you anxious, and then they... They throw you right into the dialogue. Yeah. Like he, they're up there looking at... I can't remember what they're looking at when it first starts, but they're talking about, is it going to say hello? And you automatically are thrown in like the Aaron Sorkin dialogue where he's like, Andy, they're like, which one? And oh, I love me- that. Yeah, I, I love that. That too. joke is so good. And he calls one of them Andrea. <laughs> he's like, so we'll have to change one of them. He's like, yeah, but this only applies to you. You're the <laughs> yeah. only one who doesn't know. Or he, yeah. He said something like... 
you're gonna have to everyone else will have to change what they're calling each other or something right. like that yeah um but you are thrown right into the movie and it's like instantly you're on the edge of your seat like oh are they gonna get this done before this before the like they don't want to be late are they gonna get it done before the product release and I was, I didn't stop to look at my phone or like wasn't pulled out of the, wasn't pulled out of this, totally the movie at all. Like yeah. for what they were covering, like I was constantly engaged the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way of putting it. I, I think it's pretty simple that it's a pretty engaging movie. So that's a uh, six from Alec uh, and fives from Nick and me. And I think the yeah. score does oh, a lot on this. I totally it agree does. With that. They, yeah. it, that was like, do we know who, do we know who did the score? Yeah, uh, Daniel Pembleton or something, something like that. Uh, oh yeah, it's great. Danny. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a really good score. <laughs> I really enjoy it. Um, so let's talk about spectacularity with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. <sighs> uh, I'll kick it okay. off again. Uh, I'm gonna uh, give it a two. Killer Queen by Bohemian Rhapsody. By Bohemian no, Rhapsody. honestly, by Queen plays I, now. Thank you for talking about music because I want to start with just the beginning where they're showing the 20th Century Fox logo and it's a guitar riff. Ooh, instead well, well, yeah, annoying. I, I that's lame as fuck. Wait, are you uh, saying you liked or disliked? No, that? I disliked that. I thought it was extremely lame of that. I was so <laughs> I actually uh, kind of like that. <laughs> okay, here's the structure of the movie. Introduce the characters and their problems very briefly. Band gets together. Freddie barely struggles with a mic stand. Band is famous. Then it proceeds to be band struggles slightly with a song, then immediately successfully performs that song, or the band has problems with Freddie, and then the band comes together and they rock together. That's it. And That's it's it, like that happens like four times. And it's and it's <laughs> hard to be engaged when it's that simple of a storyline. And uh, all the character development, as I said earlier, is very quick. Um, as if they kind of wanted to, in the the pitch meeting, he talks about how it seems that they wanted to rush the background so they could just start blasting Queen songs, and that's yeah. that's definitely true. Also, like Freddie is like ultra confident right away. Like they, there's no development into him being like confident as this lead singer, even though in the very beginning he's like a really sad Parsi boy who's called a Packy. Like <laughs> I I don't know. Uh, it's all just very cookie cutter. Um, I, I think there's fun moments, I guess, but I'm not really that drawn into them because yeah. I could just go watch performances of Queen. Oh, but I really like Fat Bottom Girls, though. Yeah, of The course. song. Yeah. <laughs> the mo- oh, I, I, one of the first moments that I was taken completely out of the movie is when he's hanging out with his uh, girlfriend and uh, he is underneath a piano with her and he reaches up and starts Dude, playing. Dude, that piano is ill. It yeah. has black, <laughs> but white he keys reaches and white up black keys. And plays the mem- melody of Bohemian Rhapsody like perfectly upside down and goes, oh no, it has potential. <laughs> and then like, I was like, what the fuck is this? This is not how this happened. And this is yeah, so bizarre. I mean, I gave it a three because... Yeah. I really like Queen songs, so it wasn't a two. Okay, um, fair but that's the only reason that it's not a two, because Queen was like my third favorite band when I was a kid. But other than that, I really hate the way that it works. I hate the way that it unfolds. 37 minutes into the movie, 37 minutes into the movie, Freddie Mercury says the line, <laughs> Mary knows me in a way no one else ever will. The movie is Five times that long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we've had maybe five scenes with Mary and Freddie up to that point. And like one of them is essentially just them like 
like making eyes at each other and being like, I like your fashion choices. Yeah. And then there's another, I think another one of those scenes is also about fashion choices. And then all of a sudden he says this unbelievable line where it's like, Mary knows me more than anyone else ever will. It's like, dude, no, (laughs) no, I don't believe that. I don't believe any of the character development in the movie. So that's the first thing that takes me out. Nothing, nothing in this movie is earned. Nothing in this movie is earned. That's, uh, that's the best basically way the summary yeah. of this category for this movie. Like, it's just, it's like, it's like minor, bunch of blah, 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 big queen song, huge montage of important things happen. Bunch of blah, 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 big queen song. No struggles. Ugh, Literally no struggles ever. So there's no stakes to any of it. It's like every other band movie we've ever seen. They struggle a lot to make their music and to become popular. There's no struggle. That's, the only that's one the, is like a fake character who thinks that Bohemian Rhapsody isn't going to work. And then, oh boy, they're going to tell you, they're going to flash across the screen all of the critical responses to Bohemian Rhapsody. I actually smacked my head and said, oi, right when that happened. I don't think that Bohemian, like I got to look this up, but I really don't think the Bohemian Rhapsody was, cri- like it wasn't as popular as it, they I don't make know, it they out to be. They flashed a bunch of when, song. The song. Yeah. When it first comes yet, out, sure. yeah. it was really big, right? And they say it at the end, right after Freddie Mercury passed away. Yeah. That's when it, it became this huge uh, anthemic song. I don't know, but they let you know what the critical response was. I don't know, man. Uh, Alec, what did you cheap. think about Spectacularity? I gave this movie a one. Okay, because sick. Because I honestly can't think of another movie where I am taken out of it more frequently than this movie. Every minute, there's Lucy. something that happens in this movie where I'm you like, wanted to know where are that you ended fucking kidding me? A, I shouldn't feel the need to constantly be Googling, like, is that actually how it happened when I'm watching a biopic? Because I'm engaged enough with the actual characters that I don't feel the need to see if the actual bullet point events are legit. But I felt I had to do that because... It seemed like how they're developing their actual characters is centered around a lie of an actual bullet point event. That opening scene, or not the opening scene because they flash back, but the scene after that where there he goes and listens to Smile. Yeah. That scene is fucking atrocious. Like when he he's first hears them playing and he's sitting by the bar and he's, he's like, like flicking his, his hair, hair and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, I was like, is this a fucking joke? Then they go out, and I wouldn't have known this if I didn't feel such an urge to look it up when he actually meets the band, and he walks up, walks up as they say, as the other guy's like, I gotta quit, sorry, and he walks up, and he's like, I hear you guys need a lead singer. I know. It's like, are you fucking serious? And it's not even factually accurate. Uh, so here's I just have a list of things that constantly took me out of the movie. The teeth, like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get over the way that he was talking. Um, oh, the dude. need to look up whether or not things are accurate and the constant corny lines. Like one of the actual good things they did in this movie was show the experimentation while they were in the recording studio, yeah. and when they're like swinging the what is it, an amp back and forth and. It was like, wow, cool. Like, That's this actually is actually pretty cool. The and then yeah. they have to ruin it by a guy walking and being like, whoa, who's in the booth? Like, what is this? <laughs> it's just so like true. so <laughs> taken out of it. And they just kill every solid moment. Like, the scene 
when they first meet with Mr. Reed or Littlefinger, which is uh, like Aiden notoriously yeah. the worst edited scene ever. Yeah. And it's like 20 minutes into the movie and Brian May's character is like, oh, we're a family. Like, we don't get split up. We're a family. And they've shown five minutes of these people knowing each other. And the issue is, how can I phrase this? You don't give a shit about any of the characters and they don't give an opportunity to develop the characters where there's conflict. Like, conflict is the heart of drama and there's no conflict to, like, reward you to show that they're friends now because any parts of conflict... They've eliminated the ability to write that scene in because they've lied about the actual moments that occurred and, like, the events that led up to it. They just made up for the sake of, like, having this movie flow. And you can't, like, totally fake how their relationship dynamic. You can fake, like, how something went down as a means of getting to the relationship dynamic. But what they decided to lie about took away their ability to actually go back and right in conflict. Yeah, that's great. Um, if I could add anything to that, it's just that we usually talk about like the length of a movie and how that can be bad. I just think that this movie is too long for what it is. Painfully so. Well, if there's not going to be any struggles, they're just going to skip that and they're going to make it like fast paced and they're going to edit the shit out of this movie. It should not be over two hours. Right. You, you could do the other things, but you you can't have it be that long. Like Freddie oh. Mercury doesn't even really struggle with, like with, with His age. Sexuality? Dude, yeah, seriously. Well, okay, but but that so takes a all total stuff... backseat to all of the other conflicts. Okay, so the the problem is they put in the fact that he got AIDS, his AIDS uh, diagnosis before uh, I said AIDS, uh, <laughs> AIDS diagnosis before um, Live Aid, and that's not true by all accounts. He got it well after that, and so the movie was supposed to take place before, so that's probably why they rushed that. But you should still develop that because it's a big deal, and it's the thing that took away this cherished figure that. Have we you made seen? video of him trying to perform while he is in the throes of AIDS dude it's heartbreaking he doesn't even look like Freddie Mercury it's Dude, it's they so were just, sad. What a disservice they I did know. to all Yeah, of that. if I could say like, any, the reason why I gave it a two instead of a one it, it, for anything is like in an objective view of this movie, if you came to go see like loud Queen songs and see like a recreation of someone that you love, I get that. It is engaging in that way for you. It was fun for people. It made $905 million, which biopics are not supposed to make. So I objectively, it's engaging in that way. But for me, subjectively, and for all of us, it wasn't. So we can move on from spectacularity. Well, another thing, because yeah, I didn't know where to throw this in, that like kept t- taking me out of it was, yeah, they were faking and uh, making up a lot of the actual historic events for the sake of the story. But then when they got an opportunity to very easily be historically accurate, which was they would show the year and show the tour that they were on, and then they would play the song in the soundtrack that wouldn't match up to that. I know. So, and it's For example, yeah. they play Keep Yourself Alive, which came out in 1973. They show in the movie, when the movie's in 1970, Fat Bottom Girls came out in 78, and they're playing it in the movie during 71. And it's right. like one it's just unnecessary yeah. opportunity to just be historically accurate to that time. And they just like fuck it up. 
Totally. It doesn't uh, even make sense. What, okay, yeah. It doesn't make sense yeah. at all. It doesn't, like, why I, is, we, Fat, why is Fat Bottom Girls the song that plays when they first seriously. go on tour? Because it's anthem. Like I don't, I don't. Whatever. I mean, you could have done it like the movie Rocket this Man, where they they do it to talk about the story. Yeah. Plays out like it's a parody. Like it's a parody. I agree. I agree. On biopics, like what's the Dewey? Is I, Dewey Cox? Well, we can, yeah. well, this whole movie feels like that. Let's but it's stay on because you're so passionate right now, and I'm very happy about this. I told him to keep passion when he was texting me the other day. Let's move on to our next category. We'll do eye candy next, mm. um, and we'll okay. stay on mm. Bohemian Rhapsody. Eye candy is just talking about all the visual elements of a movie, CGI, okay. production design, costuming, makeup, uh, everything like that. Anything visual. I wanted to Nick, I, I wanted to ask you one question really yeah. quick before we move on to eye candy. Sure. Because we're going to – like this is going to be a huge shift of what we talk about but maybe not the passion. Yeah. Prob- not the passion. We're going to continue to be passionately <laughs> upset about this movie. Go but, ahead. <clears throat> do I, – so I looked this up to fact check myself. Do you know where Bohemian Rhapsody landed on the charts in 1975 when it was released? No clue. 80. Alec? I feel like you're going to say not even on the charts. What do you, what do you think? I have no idea. No, I want you to guess. Just Literally go no ahead. Idea. It was one. Oh. It was the... Why wasn't that in the movie? Oh, I don't know. Well, it kind of was. They flashed According all the critical Wikipedia, responses. I'm looking at it and it says one. Well, peak, they did. They Peak position one in They spent about 40 minutes of the movie showing you how popular Bohemian Rhapsody ended but, up but being. But wouldn't it have been more impactful to show all the, and funny to show all those negative remarks and then be like, actually, it was number one. Bitches! Yeah. And yeah, then true. have them... Pre- it would have been I, simpler. I it would have it would have saved us some it's time. It's the same point that Alec was making. You miss an opportunity. Speaking, all right, of, Alec, speaking do- of going on to the charts, there's also a scene <laughs> when they're like compacting... This is off Talk the about compacting bullet points is when Freddie proposes to what's his wife's name mary mary he proposes mary. to her and <laughs> as he is proposing the band bursts in to tell him they made the charts and they're gonna do a tour in america oh, like no within 60 that seconds scene that scene is occurs. awful in the filming and actually this is perfect because i wrote this down in terms of the filming we're gonna talk about eye candy first so uh as we said eye candy is just the visual elements i gave it a two nice out of seven um because it has this sort of and i think alec you'll be able to speak to this a lot because you are you are a filmer yourself like you you are a cameraman and you are a director (laughs) and you're an editor um i think a lot of what bothers me in this movie is it has this like fake glammed up texture to it where the lighting and the filming are kind of indicative of like rich blockbusters um it's so aesthetically like displeasing to me, um, and it kind of devalues the movie um, in terms of its like quality as a movie and a serious movie. Right. Um, it almost looks like a TV is movie. Is it a serious and movie though? It was an over fifty million dollar budget, which is a lot. Yeah. Although it made nine hundred million, which yeah. is crazy. That's disgusting. Um, the cine- uh, cinematographer for this movie did Drive. One of my oh, favorite man. visual movies of all time. So it's clearly Brian. It's Brian Singer what? and 20th Century Fox's like shitty vision. Um, the big thing I want to talk about in this that Alec I think can speak to because I've seen he he spends long days editing all the time on his computer <laughs> is how over edited this movie is. And and if anything, the best actor thing. Some people may argue, you know, Rami Malek really deserved it. Fine. 
the ed- winning best editing for a movie that is now used in film schools as one of the worst edited movies um, and an example of how not to edit a movie is crazy. It literally ruined the Academy Awards for me. It's so... I agree. <laughs> that ruined the Academy Awards. The, and by, what I'm talking about in the editing is that they changed the angle of the camera. They, they cut to a different camera literally... Every two seconds. The one, the scene... Wait, quicker than every two well, seconds. Well, you're right. So the one scene that Alec was talking about earlier where they're sitting down and they're meeting with uh, their soon-to-be manager by uh, played by Aiden Gillen. In that scene, someone broke it down. There are 60 cuts for an average shot length of 1.8 seconds. So every 1.8 seconds, they change to a different angle and none of it... The, you, it's okay to edit a movie. You should edit a movie and you could do different camera angles. It shows different motivations of characters. It shows different um, facial things. It shows different things in the background. It really sets the picture. With this, they kind of like contradicted themselves. They would um, have, uh, uh, what's it called when something uh, isn't right in the background? But it, uh, continuity errors. They're yeah. like continuity errors. It doesn't lend All anything. All the editing felt yeah. like it was as a result of continuity. Yeah, or it felt like they were they were editing out Brian Singer's vision because he was getting in trouble for like diddling people. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> yeah, he sucks. I oh, gave it a two as well. For me, I actually think the some of the scenes in between the performances were shot pretty well. Yeah, like in the studio. The studio, as well as when they're at, although I don't like the scene, when they're at his house finding out he's a boxer, like the way, (laughs) I actually really like the production design of those, not the performances, but everything other than the performances. I really enjoy the production design and cinematography. And then the performances, I don't even know how to phrase it. It all felt so staged, like they didn't, it's weird because the Live Aid performance, it seems like all they did was try to recreate that as though you're actually there. Yeah. And it felt like they it was very spatially aware while all of the other ones felt extremely staged. And I don't remember where they were, but there was one where they were doing a performance and there was... It's like this Hollywood look where there's there's no actual like haze or like grittiness to it at all. You're just like in the performance and it like there's so much fog and shit when you go to a live performance and yeah. like you want to feel like you're actually there and it instead felt like they brought in like 30 extras built up this stage, put lighting where it wouldn't actually have been. Was it the one where just... he's wearing the leotard with the leather yes. jacket? Oh yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Totally. I, yeah, I don't know if that was in Yeah, the did you guys know that Queen never part? sweat or looked dirty? <laughs> yeah. Their crowds know, were right? sparkling. They Everything never had... is so glammed up. That's what <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about. The, the only thing that I actually enjoyed, which I felt they did really well performance-wise, was when they were doing We Will Rock You. And they go back and forth between the studio showing like the chorus that they got talking about and that was like honestly, That's I enjoyed editing, that. Yeah. I enjoyed that more than like when they were doing the Bohemian Rhapsody or like flinging the amp around the studio totally. because 
the concept of actually having like the audience perform this was super cool and they were cutting back and forth right. between like the stomps and then the actual i don't know what that lo- i think it was madison square garden like they actually held on it yeah and it was like they let it breathe and they used that performance to and like really played the song out so you could feel it and it didn't feel rushed like every other part of the movie and that was totally that was probably my favorite one of my favorite parts of the movie is like when they were doing the we will rock you yeah. other than that and i think that's that's the editing is perfect for that yeah. it was well done it was right. necessary other right. than that, everything is super colorful, too lit. Like yeah. it wasn't. There was no dramatic lighting in any of it. it oh, and the eye, the eye candy of the, for, they had a fifteen minute performance in this movie. I like know. the last scene is fifteen <laughs> minutes, and the first shot they're like swooping down into, into Wembley, the crowd, yeah. and it's like it. Lo- it, looks it looks like fake. they just like copy and pasted everyone in the crowd, and it looks so fake. And then you watch the actual behind the scenes, and it's like. You could spot it without watching the behind the scenes that just those like twenty people in the front are fake or are real and everyone else is fake. Yeah, it did look like that. <sighs> Nick, well, I mean, just as like a layman, I really don't think that this movie is is like visually entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's sonically entertaining, maybe, yeah. I guess, but that's because Queen is sick. Like I yeah. don't know, it's not. Just as a layman, I gave it a three because I think that there's people out there that don't notice the editing and how annoying it is. Right. But I mean, there's that scene where you're first introduced to Littlefinger's character. It's and it's so obvious. It's so obvious. If you just know that you're thinking about, if you just think about editing and you watch this movie, you you have to come away with it. Even as someone who's not studied in film, you have to come away with it thinking like, Okay, why did they chop this up into little tiny pieces like that? It, the academy, what was the point? There's yeah. no, there's a point. I think one of the overarching things that we're talking about is like there can be a point to these types of, of uh, like the the problems that we, the three of us have with this movie. There can be a point to like why you do things that way, but there's no point. Yeah, it's the same thing with the acting and the parts that are supposed to hit hard. The editing is also unearned. Yeah. There's no yeah. cuts that you get why they're doing this reaction shot. Totally agree. It's just completely unearned. And back to the performances. They do that. They like superimpose these titles of like where the performance is. And it's like it felt like a Saturday Night Live skip making fun of biopics when they were doing that. Yeah. I, I completely agree. We, yeah. we can move on. Nick, <laughs> yeah. you gave it a three. Uh, Alec and I yeah, both gave it a I feel like we haven't talked about Steve Jobs Yeah, we should talk about minutes. Steve Jobs now. So uh, let's talk about eye candy for Steve Jobs. Oh. I, I'll start with that. Um, I, uh, I gave it a five out of seven. Yeah. I think it's slightly above average. I think the shots of the theater are really cool looking. Yeah. And there's a lot of really good framing in the movie, especially when they cut off half of his face. I love oh, that. Yeah. We're, we're all fans of uh, Mr. Robot, and that's the my favorite part of Mr. Robot is the way that he frames things. Mm-hmm. Um, he uses the rule of thirds really well. Um, I uh, I especially like a lot of the circular tracking shots. Um, yeah. Like when Steve Jobs is calling out Andy, um, the Andy played by Michael Stuhlbarg at the beginning, and it's going around them is really cool. Um, 
I, uh, I, I think it's pretty cool that he used film or maybe they digitally enhanced it to look like film in the first third. I kind of don't like when you use grainy footage like that, but they were serving a purpose to show I progress it, over time. I think it works. Yeah. And, uh, um, I think the thing is, is that the movie is so powered by the script and the performances. I don't really care as much about the eye candy, but, uh, it, it maybe some of the costuming is a little ridiculous. It seems like they were just trying so hard to make it like deck, like when it happened. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's some random eye candy stuff that is thrown in there that bothers me. I talked about in Bohemian Rhapsody when they flash the critical responses, but there's like in this, like words will be up on the wall while they're talking and like coming down. You and then there's like that. I didn't like that. Oh. Or the part when they're talking about Skylab See, and it's okay. like going on the wall oh. next to Okay. Them. So I, I like, I think average. that that's a good like juxtaposition though, because yeah. I liked that and I think that it works. There's two scenes like that. There's Jeff Daniels and the lyrics to... I think it's a Bob Dylan Bob song. Dylan. Yeah. Are are behind him as he's talking. Right. That looks really cool. And then it happens a little bit later in the movie. I think it's a little bit. It could be a lot later. With the, the Skylab thing. He's yeah. With the Skylab the thing. The next plan. Yeah. 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 And I think that that, as compared to the way that text is used in Bohemian Rhapsody, is a huge contrast in the 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 power of doing that. It's powerful in Steve Jobs, or at least interesting to look at, and it's not powerful, and it could have been, in Bohemian Rhapsody, because it definitely charted number one. I Googled it again. <laughs> I don't understand why that wasn't a thing. Right. Uh, it's not powerful, and it's not interesting to look at. So I gave it a five as well for Steve Jobs, uh, eye candy. Um, the costuming is fine. I like that they convey the, the time by uh, by yeah, using the it's like, graininess. Like yeah, it's like a little... Um, it's a little like like kitschy or whatever, but I I I enjoyed it. I liked it. I gave Steve Jobs a six for eye candy. I think the only reason I can't give it a seven is because it's not a Avengers or something with like really yeah. crazy shit to look at. But do you like Danny Boyle movies? <laughs> I know you like one twenty one hundred twenty seven hours. Uh, Train spotting, yeah. and I like um, I like one hundred twenty seven hours, and I like Slumdog I Millionaire. Movie. Um, one of the things, Careful the one of the things that you said, <laughs> this movie frames its shots yeah. so well. Like, I almost gave it a seven purely for framing. Every single shot is so intentional. The way that they frame everything, and considering how trivial these events are, and that it's literally a product release for a tech product. They make that somehow cinematic and super cool. And totally. I totally disagree with regards to how they do the projections. I That's thought fine. what a super unique way to dramatize this part of the story. And while everything else is so basic isn't the right word, but everything else is like, it's like just it's straightforward. Yeah. And then yeah. that's exactly. not. And, it's and then like, they, it like takes you out of it and you remember yeah. you're watching a movie and right. they're like, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly oh, that's how a I good felt. Way. It's, that's exactly that's how I felt watching it. That. It's yeah. so cool to see that. And especially because they do it in the, I was obsessed with the grain, how it transitions from graininess no, in the I beginning like to yeah. like digital, especially because here's a movie that's covering tech. Right. And it's further showing you 
whether or not people notice it or or not, which is also really important because I think there's a lot of things that go into like the development of technology that people don't realize, and it's a subconscious thing, such as. And then they they parallel that with how they actually film yeah. the movie, yeah, and like the graininess from '88 to I may I was saying I, I may be wrong, but I think from '84 to '88 it gets proportionately less grainy, yeah, yeah, and then totally digital by '98. Yeah, that's I, 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 that's something I liked about. The and movie. then in addition to the graininess and the projections, which are super unique ways to deal with how they're telling the story in sequence. I also really liked when they get to uh, 98, like 1998, and yeah. they do this montage where they're like slowly changing the aspect ratio and it like yeah, that was sick. eye. Yeah. Wow. There's just like, this is like a master class in like how to do really, really subtle things to make what seems like a very standard script and production design become, just like take it to the next level. Totally agree. Yeah, that nothing more needs to be said. That was well said. Um, so that was a six from a, yeah from Alec. And what'd you give it? We both gave it five. And then fives from Nick and me. Yeah. Let's go on to our next category: originality. Right. And uh, part of this, I want to talk about um, with originality because we're we're mostly talking about how creative the movie was. And one of our questions is: Did this need to be made? And does it stand out in its genre? Right. Um, another thing I, I think would be necessary to talk about is like how accurate the movie is too, and, and especially when you're doing a biopic, you you can. Uh, you don't need to do it like, you know, by the numbers, every single thing, but you could be creative in that way, but it should be accurate to a certain degree um, or else it's unoriginal and weird. Um, let's start with Steve Jobs since we're on it. Uh, Nick, what, what did you give Steve Jobs? What did I give Steve Jobs? It was covered up. <laughs> My papers. I gave it a five. Um, much like the other things that we're talking about, like or the other categories, like I don't... Um, it's hard for me to like watch this movie and really think that it uh, like completely stands out, but I do think that it's weird, but I think that it was excellent and I really, really liked it in almost every way. Uh, I think all my categories are yeah, all my categories are positive, at least so far and yeah. and I don't I don't have like a reason why i don't think it was anything more than a five but it was definitely above average in terms of its originality i think some of the like using the lyrics on the wall and and um and like like alec we were just talking about moving it from from grainy to digital uh are original uh things but i don't know if the movie's super original i don't know i gave it a five yeah, I mean, one thing that we should have talked about, I guess, earlier is that a biopic, for anyone that doesn't know what that means, is a biography picture. And so it just means that you're taking a real-life event or a real-life person and you're you're giving the audience, like, a biography of them in the movie form. And I, you know, that kind of feels like it's not going to be that original because it's just based off of a real person, but there are ways of making things original. And that's why I'm so happy to talk about Steve Jobs in comparison to Bohemian Rhapsody is because it's taking the normal format of just showing you the entire person's life and, and flipping it into some 
new uh, way of expressing that. It's a very unconventional way. So they, Aaron Sorkin deserves a lot of credit for that, for splitting it up into three sections, and they're just three days. The movie is supposed to take place over three days um, before his product launches and showing where he's at in his career, even if he's at the same anxiety level and at life. each of those days. Yeah, and his life. Um if I start with, I, I'm giving it a six out of seven. I uh, I'm pretty close to giving it a seven. There are a few things that bother me. I don't really like the expository transitions. Every time they switch to a new part of his life, they just Agreed. have someone explain everything that happened to him. You know, like, oh, Next fell through, but then Apple right. like fired their CEO, John Scully, but then they picked up. That's uh, the same reason why I didn't feel like giving it a six is because it was like, yeah, it's three days and that's like original. But I mean, they're not the first people that had the idea to like break someone's life up and then and, and do something like that. That's yeah. interesting. I didn't know how I felt about that because... Because I didn't notice. I feel it until like this they time. took liberties where they. I like that they assumed people already know a lot of these bullet point parts yeah. of Steve Jobs' life, and they didn't feel the need to explain a lot of it. But I feel like everything they actually said on those transitional phases, where it's like the news it's is just speaking, points. it's bullet points. But I think those are actually points that people really don't know and like yeah, and we they're needed, talking about yeah. like how the products failed or succeeded and how they transitioned who was ceo like those are little points that unless you read the book like people really don't know about steve jobs and right. i felt like maybe there's a better way to do it but like when they decided to actually do that i felt like that was information that was actually critical for people to understand and like how you transition from one to the other. That's why I'm happy you're on this podcast. Cause you're one of the only people I know that's read the Steve jobs book. Uh, well, I, I guess I know a few people, but like, I, I really did want to know how accurate it was, even though it didn't need to be, you know, it doesn't need to be accurate. Um, or it doesn't need to be completely accurate. It could be creative. Um, so yeah, I feel ahead. like with, I gave it a six for originality. Um, because I feel like if you put 100 screenwriters in a room and you said, write a script about Steve Jobs, maybe one of them would come up with the idea to yeah. like put it into three product launches. Like The Ashton Kutcher version of the movie is what most of them probably would have come up with. And He looks exactly like him, but besides yeah, that, that movie is just so boring. Yeah. Um, this, I felt a lot of the things we talked about with Eye Candy make this movie original. Yeah. And then in addition to that, the overall structure, I don't know if I'm being simple minded to think that it's like really creative and original to do it the way that they did it with the three product launches, but I wouldn't have thought of that. And I feel like because of that, it makes it really original. And I feel like these movies that we're talking about is this is like the best category to show the contrast because the contrast between Bohemian Rhapsody, which is the least original structure you could possibly have for a biopic, which is bullet point Wikipedia page, cram everything that happened in his life into one story versus let's find a way through just a relatively small part of his life. It's only, what was it? 14 years. Yeah. Let's find a way through three days, only a couple hours in those three days to portray how he changes as a person as a result of his relationships, that's how you show who Steve Jobs is instead of 
the bullet point events and accolades of his life, but instead the small disputes that he had in his relationships to show his how he developed as a character. Yeah, yeah. I, that, the only um, other thing that I that pushed it up from a five to a six for me as well is that. Um, I really, really respect that they almost like Trojan horse and emotionally compelling father daughter story into this story where they're just talking about this guy. The movie is almost just a father daughter story, but then there's all these other relationships that are really complex and great. The, The way that they handle the Wozniak thing and the Scully thing is great as well as his assistant excellently played by uh, Kate Winslet. Also, just like, what a brilliant way that between the three time periods, it's so subtle to show how he changes as a person. Yeah. Yeah. But they show it all through his relationships with Andy, Waz, his daughter, and it's like, when they go to 98, for example, I this was like my only critique of the writing throughout the whole thing is when they go into 98 it's a little too on the nose to show that he's changed a lot where he's like way more he's like way he's happier really nice when he's talking about it. he's like yeah. i love you guys like talking to his team he's like steve wozniak in the crowd like and then he like high fives i'm gonna call her shiv yeah. i don't remember uh, sarah snook because she like, like finally yeah. got the exit signs off and like that whole like couple minutes felt too on the nose but then like after that to show that he's they somehow do such a good job showing that he's like changed but he's not like there yet you know no, right like, right he's changed but yeah. he's still he's still dealing with issues with his daughter but they're showing like for example when he's arguing with kate winslet there's like a moment where he like realizes she's right and he's able to admit like yeah obviously like I'm going to pay for her college and he like sees that he's wrong and like he just he's much more aware yeah. at this point in his life and like it is, they do such yeah. a good job with the nuances really of that boy. character it's and really they just like they're able to talk about it in a way where it's like all right, I can see he's actually developed as a person but I can also still identify that there's still flaws in him totally right. What they were not able to do is uh, make everyone else age besides him. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Because, they all look exactly the same. Sarah Snook doesn't age at all. Uh, Steve Wozniak barely seems to age, and Kate Winslet has a little streak of gray. Oh, uh, they magic. did with Michael Stuhlbarg's character, the Andy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Andy's good. Andy he's gets, good Andy gets, gets old yeah. too. He's so. But that's it. He's so good in that movie. I just thought that was like a I minor detail. I thought was kind of funny. Shiv was in it until because like, I, well, I didn't know who she was. Right? Yeah. No, all of us did. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's uh, what you gave it a six as well, yeah. right? Yeah, so that's sixes from uh, uh, Alec and myself, and then a five from Nick. Um, let's move on to Bohemian Rhapsody originality. I think this could be kind of simple because we've talked about it for a while. I, I'm just gonna say that I gave it a one, I don't find it original, I don't find it accurate. Um, I think that anybody who's actually a big fan of Queen. And Freddie and their story should be offended by this. Agreed. Um, I think that it's an ultra lazy kind of like factually inaccurate, almost TV movie. Um, I don't think there's anything that's really original by it. Um, it takes the absolute standard, what, what you said, the by the numbers approach. But it's actually the unique example of a biopic that somehow goes by the numbers and is also historically inaccurate. So um, and, and it's biased about Freddie's life in the perspective of his band members. And they chose to leave out certain details and and highlight others. So 
Um, and, and I do really want to say, I mean, the, the historical inaccuracy part of it is really important because they, just for the sake of drama for the movie, they put in a lot of things before Live Aid that didn't happen. And I don't like that you're like manipulating facts to insert drama and make this movie even more corny than it already was. Yeah. And so I, that's why I'm giving it a one. I just think that it's such a like comparing these two movies and talking about how original they are is such an example of like I can't there's there's some like like idiom or or colloquialism or something about like being able to like as an artist if you if you force yourself to work in a box you're much more likely to come out with something that is artistically uh, impactful. And that's what Steve Jobs imposes upon itself is like, hey, let's work in this, uh, you know, whether whether or not it's a completely original idea to to fit yourself into a box like that is, I guess, debatable. But the end result is obviously much more original than, than taking the cookie cutter Wikipedia bullet point approach and then falsifying a bunch of stuff, just being ham-fisted as, like, just so ham. Like, it's like punching you in the face with stuff sometimes. There's yeah, scenes in Bohemian Rhapsody. The told me. There's, scene, there's a scene in Bohemian Rhapsody where Fat Bottom Girls is playing. So that's kind of ironic. I'm pretty sure that's playing. Um, Freddie is having a conversation with his wife, who's in Europe while he's in, in the States on tour, and he's like talking to her and he's just just eye banging this dude that's walking a this, trucker this, dude yeah, wearing the this yeah, wearing trucker like a, dude a costume of a trucker wearing outfit. yeah wearing yeah. A, a halloween costume trucker outfit yeah. who's also eye banging him while he's on the phone with his wife and he's like he says like bye to her yeah, and the, says, and he walks the trucker walks into a bathroom and she says say hi to the boys for me <laughs> and the door to the bathroom closes and it says in comically large font men <laughs> and it's like <sighs> hey did you guys know that freddie mercury was gay like <laughs> i, didn't I know had that before no like i had no idea he might be interested in men like yeah. i had no idea bohemian rhapsody the movie like there's things like that, like and it's just like, like they turn it into a reveal that he's gay. Yeah. Like I don't know if they intended that. The bass player gets the smallest room and they make like bass player jokes in the movie and it's like ha ha ha, ha. no one's ever done that before. It's bogus, dude. Yeah. I don't know. It's not it's not original. I took that one uh personally. What did you what did you give band. it? That's not fair. I gave it a one. Yeah, what about you, Alec? One. Yeah, do you have anything to add to it? <sighs> What you're saying is like about the box is interesting because I feel like yeah that was a good point. If you said all right, how could you tell Steve Jobs' story of who he was if all you had to do if all you had to work off of was these three days in his life? Yeah, how would you do it? And it's like an actual creative exercise where they really like exactly. worked on like all right, what made him who he is versus the total limitless approach that Bohemian Rhapsody takes where there are no constraints whatsoever. And they, they focused more on how can we tell his whole life story in this amount of time instead of how can we choose significant events that show who he was like, what a disservice to the fact that he had AIDS like this. Yeah. This movie does such a terrible job portraying any of the actual like issues that he had like they kind of touch on drugs but like 
that's it for the, the stuff with but, his father is very quick uh, yeah that and i'm not gonna lie that was one of the more emotional moments was when he and his father actually have like they they reconcile their relationship but but it's the like, scene itself is dumb because they yeah, put him there yeah. and it's like hey we showed up at my family's place but we're like oh but we actually have to go yeah so it's like that scene why would they even be there if they had to go that whole relationship uh that was a super disappointing yeah. part of the story it was i think it was the actually it was before the happy birthday part where he, his dad is like what is the quote his dad keeps saying? Like, uh, do good things. Oh, yeah. I don't remember I don't what remember. it is. But he, like, it's so on the nose, his relationship with his dad, where it's like, all right, clearly we get as an audience that, like, this relationship is going to, like, come to by the end of the story and they're going to resolve their issues. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. it was such an... It was there was no nuance to that relationship whatsoever. It was like it's we're, just it was, yeah. It's just much a much more compelling story if you try and fit the story into some other frame. Yeah, I yes. some more original framework for this movie would have been so much more impactful on so many different levels. Yeah. What's also yeah. interesting is like we talk about how it's told from the point of view of Queen. And I remember Sasha Baron Cohen was talking about when he want when he first was cu- talking to Queen about it. He, I think it was Brian May was saying, yeah, halfway through the story, Freddie Mercury's going to die. He's like, okay, cool. It's like a nonlinear story. Oh, I like that. And like, you're going to change it up. And he's like, all right, I'm on board for that. But then Brian May's like, no, actually, it's, it's totally linear. He dies. And then the rest of it is like how Queen carries on afterwards. And he's like... So you're going to kill off your main character halfway through and the rest of it is about the part of the band that like no one really finds interesting. And it's like this part of this whole story is told from their perspective, but at the same time, they they manage to not be truthful to who Freddie Mercury is and not be truthful to who they are, but also not give enough detail into their life to have any sort of interest in any of the members of Queen other than Freddie Mercury. Totally. Brian May was an astrophysicist. Yeah. Oh, did you know that? <laughs> and uh, the other one was a dentist or something. Uh, whatever. Uh, let's move on. That's uh, one from the three of us. Uh, let's talk about our last category, Legacy. Um, okay. Legacy is just basically like, how will this movie be talked about? Uh, will it be rewatched uh, in years to come? Has it been rewatched? Is it going to have a lasting imprint on um, the history of movies? Um, let's just start with Bohemian Rhapsody. Alec, you, you could start it off. I'm giving Bohemian Rhapsody a five in Legacy. Yeah. For bad reasons. I think it will continue to be talked about for years to come about how not to create a biopic. Yeah. Like, it will literally be the subject in film classes of how not to do this. How not to edit. How not to structure a story. This movie will... It's it will have a legacy for sure. I will. I gave it a five as well, but I'm actually going to argue with that point. I, don't get me wrong. I hate this movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just don't think it's a good movie, and it didn't deserve the attention it got. But we have to reconcile with the fact that this movie was, even though it was disliked by critics, it ended up making over nine hundred million dollars, which no biopic had ever done. And it got nominated for like 13 Academy Awards and won a few major ones, including editing and acting. And I think it's ridiculous that it won that. 
But we have to like understand that it's it won these. It's the most successful biopic of all time. Yeah. It's completely changed the way that the industry talks about biopics because they're trying to make as many as possible. They were even the same producers were thinking God, about making sad. a Michael Jackson movie after the documentary came out that Michael Jackson diddled children. You want to know what the most disgusting part about all of that is? What? Is that because of the success of this movie, they might actually use it as a means to show how to make a biopic right. to make that much money. Well, that's that's my point. I think that they're going to keep doing that. And, yeah. and you brought up a great point. I think the thing is... It's going to be talked about for a long time by people like you and me, and and it's something that has bothered me so much, and it's a reason why, I mean, towards the beginning of us uh, releasing this podcast, Nick and I talked about doing an episode on this because it's something that makes me particularly and nick as well to a lesser extent extremely angry because i think that it's it's a shame what the academy did to bradley cooper last year with uh stars born and it's a shame that we uh that the industry is forever going to be changed by this biopic because of how much money how much money did steve jobs make it was something like eighty million or something. Like it made like thirty million off of it. It's like it was I, I also gave it a five, and I'm like somewhere in between, like what you guys are saying. Like it obviously people liked it, but at the same time, like it only has like a sixty percent on Rotten Tomato, forty nine percent on Metacritic. Like it says ninety seven percent of viewers like this movie. I can't, that can't be right. Steve Jobs <laughs> made four million off of its budget, so thirty four yeah, million. Yeah, it made four additional as opposed Shut to eight hundred and fifty. Yeah. No one watched it. <sighs> but it's it like Rami Malek won, and like it's no dig on Rami Malek. Like he's he's a great actor. He's great, and he yeah. did the best he could. But like it's like. He shouldn't have won. It shouldn't have the acclaim that it he also, does. Like wasn't the right man for the job. I don't. I really think he's think actually so. kind of fine oh. for it. But it's just that I wish that they had chosen someone who was actually English because it just seemed like a ridiculous fake English accent, uh, or maybe someone that had teeth like Freddie Mercury, and so it doesn't look like. He's I mean, putting the physicality of the character he he embodies. transformed really. I'll give him that. His ability to physically transform oh, his like the way he moves and stuff, Mercury, yeah. especially in that last scene where he's like playing the piano and he's like moving just like Freddie Mercury. Yeah, even like his he like yeah, he lip synced really fucking well. <laughs> his like Freddy. yeah, his like physique is perfect for it. Like his musculature, it's like it's all it's really good, but it's not it. it it's not Academy Award winning. It shouldn't have been. I totally agree. Another it should have thing been, that I it think... should have been something else, and it's just it's a shame. But, but the, it's the a truth five. is it's that it, that it does have a good legacy. Yeah, and yeah. Another element of legacy is like it's the only story. It's the only movie about Queen. So like, yeah, their their music obviously isn't going anywhere. And anytime someone's interested, yeah. like where's this the, is the movie they're where's gonna have the Ashton Kutcher Queen? Yeah, series. right. <laughs> well, they don't need to remake it now. They're just gonna remake a bunch of other no. stuff. So. All right, let's talk about, let's finish this off with Steve Jobs' legacy. Um, I gave it a two. This is the only low score I'm going to give to Steve Jobs. I think personally, for me, I think it held up really well, and I reacted very strongly to it to the first time, which actually uh, included a uh, very, very long whiskey-induced rant um, through text to Jimmy while I was flying across the country and I was watching it. I loved it so much. Um, and I still really like talking about it and rewatching it. And I'm glad that we're talking about it, but we have to, you know, we have to be a little objective with the legacy, um, category and it 
it grossed 34 million off of a 30 million budget. It uh, got mostly positive reviews and it, it generated two Oscar nominations, but it really should have been up for more and it wasn't. Um, and I think it's gotten mostly forgotten. I think maybe Netflix might, it's in the popular category right now. So I think in Netflix might boost it again. Um, but, uh, I, you know, the legacy is that, like, it's one of the better Danny Boyle movies and one of the better Aaron Sorkin scripts, so... Yeah, I give it a four, um, because I think that it's just about average, it's legacy, because there's enough, um, you know, like the Academy Award nominations, the, the fact that it's kind of resurfaced on Netflix, and that might boost its popularity a bit, the fact that if you, like, look at, you know, like you said, like Michael Fassbender's... IMDb and you're like, oh, that one was. Trying to remember that one got a really. This one got a really good Rotten Tomatoes rating. Not these other any of the other ones he's done for the last. Oh, you don't want to watch Snowman? Half a decade. (laughs) He's he could have been decent as Magneto. He is decent as Magneto. That could have been a good thing for him. Yeah. He should still be. Anyways, okay. So, I think that there's enough good to balance out the fact that it is kind of like lost to the like thrown to the wayside and kind of lost in people's minds. True. I think it's in the middle. What about you, Alec? Killed me to give it this, but I have to give it a three. Like, yeah. I, I really don't think this movie, like you said, it's just going to be, like, forgotten about. And yeah. it's crazy because this is the guy that, like, pioneered the most popular products in the world. But for some reason, his movie isn't popular. And I would, I, I'm curious how much the Ashton Kutcher one made. It probably made a lot more money and got a lot more Yeah, watches. I don't remember it being that popular. The thing is that, like... Um, I think part of what's so unique about the movie kind of hurts it. It's almost too artsy for like yeah. basic people. And that's why I didn't make a lot of money. You know, like most people went to go see Bohemian Rhapsody and loved Bohemian Rhapsody because they wanted to hear Queen songs loud and they wanted to see like a kind of flamboyant performance of it. And I think the award that went to Rami Malek was an award for Freddie Mercury. I don't really think it was that much for uh, Rami Malek. Hot take. Yeah. yeah. I actually think The Dirt is better. I enjoyed that more than Bohemian The Motley Crue biopic. (laughs) Starring Machine Gun Kelly. It doesn't feel like they're trying to hide anything. They actually, like, (laughs) it's done really poorly, but they go for it. Machine Gun Kelly is a friend of the pod. We've talked about him before. Machine Gun, come on. I I watched, (laughs) that movie's horrible. And yeah. I watched it twice. MGK. That wow. movie is so much better well, than guess Bohemian what? You've Rhapsody. You've seen Bohemian Rhapsody twice. Uh, <laughs> Jobs, the uh, Kutcher biopic, made $1.5 million more. Yeah, I don't think it was released wow. in theaters. I think it was a straight-to-DVD type thing. Uh, my mom was texting me, and she was like, I don't remember like I remember turning off Steve Jobs. And then uh, she was like, I'll give it another chance for the podcast. And then she's texting me, and she goes, I don't think this is the same movie I was watching. This is really good. Uh, so, anyways, let's add it up. Uh, we're at the end here. I okay. think uh, you would. Uh, you gave it a three. You gave Steve Jobs a three out of seven, and you gave it a four, four out of seven. I gave it a two out of seven for Legacy. So let's add up our totals. Alec, do you have your total? I didn't calculate my total. Mine is no twenty six. For Steve Jobs? For Steve Jobs. Out of 35, that's great. I gave it a 24 out of 35. I got knocked down because of Legacy. Yeah. I love the movie, though. I mean, like personally, it's it's higher. Bohemian Rhapsody, I gave a 12 out of 35. Mine is a 16. Yeah. And, and you know what? It is an average movie, and that should be fair. Alec, what did yeah, you Yeah, I don't know. Steve Jobs, I had at 27. 27, okay. Bohemian Rhapsody, 2, 2. 
That is 77 out of 105 for Steve Jobs. It's good. Great it's good, movie. Good yeah. score, guys. Yeah. Good score, Steve Jobs. 13 <laughs> for Rhapsody. What was it? 13. Yeah. Oh, so I gave the lowest for Bohemian Rhapsody. Interesting. And 41 out of 105 for Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Well, so all of the our fans who are really obsessed with Bohemian Rhapsody probably have already turned this off. But guess what? We Honestly, gave it I didn't have a chance because I'm like swamped at work right now to ask people that like this movie why they like this movie. Let I know us know. Why. Yeah, I just, yeah, like, definitely. Don't let care us know. what they say. Yeah, I, ca- I kind of care to a certain degree, but I pretty much know why. It's because they like Queen. And, yeah, and well, I, I think... really, really, really like Queen, and yeah. I didn't like this movie. What's, so uh, let's finish this off with a, uh, a shortened. Stupid. Like, <laughs> they people loved that movie. Like, dude, they... you know what's yeah. the worst part? You know what the LVP of Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah, well, is? let's get into our accolades. LVP, hundred percent. The character Paul, dude. Paul can eat it. Yeah. Paul was, was the worst. Yeah. Who is Paul? Paul is his like boyfriend who kind of <laughs> yeah, breaks up the band. The typical that guy, guy you have to sucks. have in every movie that breaks up the like Elton John has the, it had the same thing. Dude, on Richard Madden on was great. Every though. single level, Paul is the worst character that I've seen in a movie in I can think of off the top of my head in a while. Yeah. Paul is an awful an awful person in the movie, an awfully written character. And uh, just the I, these acting performances, and I don't even. Alec, do you have a least valuable player for either of these? It could be from Steve Jobs. It's Paul. Yeah. God, I hate to say, I think Seth Rogen. Yeah. Okay. I, hate to say I don't think that, he's worse like, than anyone. And it's not worse than maybe. Paul, dude. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I. Paul wasn't even interesting. I just think. Yeah, I know, now dude. that we're I didn't realize he was a bad guy it. until they told us. He was Alec like, didn't even know who Paul was, yeah, dude. It sounds like Seth Rogen <laughs> was casted for the reason that he would bring more eyes to this. Yeah. Like it seems like yeah, it's yeah, great it's casting, great yeah. but like I don't. That would, aside from bringing people in and money. That would be the last person I would cast. Yeah, it's like it, it's really yeah. w- done well by one of his friends. Like Jonah Hill it actually is done pretty well uh, in drama performances. Right. Um, and he's been recognized for that. Even he would have been better. Here's my as least well. valuable player. <laughs> my least valuable player is the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and, Sciences, uh, and Sciences. Oh, I, I can't believe you guys gave multiple awards to Bohemian Rhapsody. My MVP is. Uh, Aaron Sorkin or Michael Fassbender. Uh, Aaron Sorkin's yeah. script is incredible. Aaron Sorkin and for me, for sure. This is the peak of Fassbender's career for me. I also lo- love him in Shame. It's and 100% Years a Slave. slave. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. You should have won 12 Years a Slave. Fuck you, Jared Leto. We yeah. hate you on this podcast. <laughs> you are not a friend to the pod. Dude, Morbius, Nick, though. Do you have an MVP? Uh, it's Fassbender. Okay. It's Jared um, Leto. Do you guys have like a best scene um, from Steve Jobs that you want to like give a shout out? Oh man, the scene that we quoted at the beginning of this movie. Definitely. The scene in the dressing room. Especially the scene at the beginning because they're going back and forth in time and you don't know if it's true. It's like he has this distorted sense of reality. Um, Uh, The scene where he's like, what what size is your shirt? Oh yeah. What size shirt are you? And the guy's like, huh, what? It's like, yeah. I need a shirt with a pocket. Go like out in the crowd, find just, a shirt. And that's so smart. He's like, the iPhone is supposed to fit in your, or uh, this is supposed to fit in your pocket. Floppy so disk. Like, yeah, yeah, floppy disk, yeah. 
That's such a tough question. I think I'd have to say two scenes. One, when he's explaining his plan before the next product review. Yeah. When they're mm. in the hallway. And second, when they're when he's walking with... I can't remember who it was, but they see Alan Turing on the wall, and he's like, "The reporter." Who's that yeah, he's talking about and the, he's yeah. like, that guy was great. That he's in a ton of stuff. He's, he's in, like, he has that exact role in so much. Yeah, shit he's really like, good in uh, Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, he's the, like friends. They're yeah, walking um, through, and he goes, "Who's that?" And he's like, "Alan Turing, single-handedly won World War II." And then he's like, "Why isn't he part of the campaign?" He's like, "Because you had to ask who he was." <laughs> yes, that line is <laughs> yeah. so good. I yeah. Um, let's talk about some quotes because we didn't really like talk about oh. a lot of them. Uh, I wrote down some ones that I just love. Um, uh, I love when there are some lines that are like kind of like it sounds like Aaron Sorkin making fun of his own script. Yeah. So there's like uh, when Steve Jobs goes, coach lands in the runway at the same time as first <laughs> yeah. class. And uh, uh, Kate Winslet just goes, I don't have the first idea what the yeah. fuck that means. Yeah. But, uh, there's another one where he goes, uh, he says some quote and she says, I feel like that's something that sounds good, but doesn't mean anything, <laughs> yeah. which is uh, great. Yeah. I mean, um, my favorite quote is God sent his son on a suicide mission, but we yes. like him anyways because he made trees. Yeah. God, dude, there's so many of these. It's quotes. not binary. You could be decent and gifted at the same time. I, so I love that. That line, I'm pretty sure was an actual line that like Waz is quoted for but I'm pretty sure for them I also think the Alan Turing line comes from like an interview or something but yeah. some of these other ones I'm not sure my favorite line from the whole movie yep. was when Waz is talking to Jobs it's 88 and they're talking to each other like in the orchestra area and yeah. he goes this guy here is someone you invented. And he's like telling that to mm. Steve Jobs. Oh, that's a great line. And yeah. it's like, he's like, I'm the only person who knows that this guy here is someone you invented. Yeah. And I was like, wow, what a great I line. play the orchestra. That's another uh, great so line. Good. First of all, can I tell you something about Time Magazine? I believe it's the training ground for paid assassins. <laughs> uh, yeah, or the line about Lisa, he's like, no way. This can't be Lisa. She used to be this big. And he's like, yeah, they get taller. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's uh, also that's in the me. beginning when they're looking when like the first opening scene, when they're looking up at the projector and he's like talking to Andy and he's like, Andy's saying we can't do it. Like we don't have enough time to get it to say hello. And he's like, if you can't like find me, like who can? And he goes, I'm the person who can and I can't. Oh, yeah. That's good. There's a cool line about Bill Gates where he says he dropped out of a better school than yeah. I dropped out of. That's yeah. a really good one. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But that like that script represents who Steve Jobs was as a person so well because he always had these like witty one-liners. Crazy lines, and, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it was a brilliant mind. In script Talk like, about movies about way. narcissists. Yeah, it's Mickey all... Indiana. But oh, Freddie yeah. Mercury yeah. did the same thing. Like, he would always say crazy shit like that and have right. these super unique one-liners, but it just like doesn't work in the way that they try to do it. I pity your wife if you think that six <laughs> yeah. minutes is too long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, okay, so to close it out, uh, I'm going to do like a quick Gabe's movie minute. I watched the movie Richard Jewell, and I actually ended up liking it uh, a good amount. I don't like Clint Eastwood as a director. Um, people that know me know that I do not like him as a director, but the performances are really powerful in that, so it was a, it was a cool movie, um, even though they – they pissed off a lot of people. Uh, recommendations. Do you guys have any recommendations um, based on what we were doing or other things? 
Oh man, I had one. I in the middle of this, I thought of it, and I can't remember. Maybe we keep talking. Yeah, I'll think of time. it. Go ahead. Damn it! I mean, I, I can't begin to list all my recommendations, so I'll just do the things I've seen recently. Yeah. I lost my body. Animation on Netflix. Oh yeah, so good. I think that was French nominated, animation. Right? Yeah. Like, I've never watched that cinematic of an animation with sound design like that. It is. Unlike anything I've seen. I was going to ask your cool. opinion. I saw you uh, watch um, that. They Shall Not Grow Old. Oh, yeah, the documentary. I'm super happy I watched that after watching 1917 because yeah. it, like, it makes the movie seem so much more accurate and is really well done. For sure. A show that I've just been obsessed with recently is Broad City. I just... Oh, really? It's like That's so funny. You know, funny. Because, because your brother started getting into it. My brother started yeah. watching it. He yeah. lives in New York, and I would see him watching it. Then I started watching it, and now I'm almost done Dude, with it. Oh, yeah, it. we didn't it's shout so out funny. Matt. I only know Alec because I <laughs> yeah. was friends with his older we, we, brother in, uh, in high school. Um, I would not recommend Mandalorian to anyone. Whoa. I hated that show. So fucking much. I like the I last like, four episodes. You oh, like the first episode. I, I like I the first out. episode. I kind of like the second episode, and uh, it's such a shame that that sh- that's that's the Bohemian Rhapsody like that. It's such uh, a shame that that gets so much attention and Baby Yoda oh, all over that. social yeah, media. Sure. And last one. Which I saw for the fourth time last night is Parasite. If you have not seen Dude, this movie, it's the best you have movie to go of 2019. I don't want to hear an argument about anything else. That and Uncut Gems are the best oh, yeah, movies of the I year. Oh, I still need to watch. Uncut yeah, Gems. Marriage Story is up there for me. Yeah, um, Marriage Story. I have a recommendation really based on what we watched. Uh, a musical biopic. Um, I really like the movie Blaze. It's uh, one of uh, Ethan Hawke's director uh, movies. Um, it's about this guy named Blaze Foley, who is this like forgotten and, uh, misunderstood kind of like country singer. And it's done. If we're talking about like unconventional, like it's done in a really beautiful artistic way. It's one of my favorite movies from a few years ago. So check that out if you get a chance. Um, even I don't like country. It's not really country. It's more like folk. Um, but it's great. Um, you guys you, have you guys have gone through some movies, so I'll recommend because I love alternative like alternative versions of songs. Yeah. If you've ever listened to the fast version of "We Will Rock You," that. Uh, <laughs> No, no, it's it's really cool. Queen released a different version of that song, and it's uh, it's a pretty awesome like punk song. Oh, it's really yeah, cool. I can't imagine that at all. Yeah, dude, it's really cool. Um, I wish we could play it at the end, it's but like, we don't uh, have money to do that. Yeah, we don't have the money to do that, but you should check it out because it's a really cool uh, alternative take of that song that they made. Cool. Well, you guys can follow us if you're not already on social media. We're on Instagram, Instagram.com slash facing off pod. We are also on Twitter. You can check out Nick's funny tweets, uh, twitter.com slash facing off pod. Just look up facing off for both of those. Um, send us an email. We will read it on the podcast. Uh, it's been really fun having my mom send us emails and getting the fake hate mail from auto, uh, facing off podcast at gmail.com. Alec, do you want people following you on Instagram? Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Decade <laughs> Los basic. Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look up decade Los Angeles. I, uh, I, uh, commented about them, uh, in our newest Instagram post. Honestly, really cool stuff they did. Uh, I definitely recommend that you guys go and check out the um, music video for the rapper D Smoke that they did called uh, Lil Red. It is, it's amazing. Uh, really proud of them. Um, it was cool working with them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, do you guys have a send off? I didn't mean it. <laughs> B.
Bismillah. Oh, uh, next week we are going to be doing Captain America Civil War versus uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. I forgot that's the full name. Batman of that. versus Superman colon Dawn of Justice. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be doing that with my buddy uh, Nick Doria. So look uh, out for that. Bismillah, no. <laughs>